is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Doug Shapiro, and we cover it all from life path to methods of operation and his views on life, which educated me in such a fantastic way. And I hope they do the same for you. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Doug Shapiro. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me is Doug Shapiro. Doug, thank you for joining me. Oh, it is my pleasure. Hello. I I I can't I couldn't be more excited to chat about so many things. And before this conversation, we were connecting these dots and it's a very straight line. <laughs> we'll talk about all the things if it takes hours. Uh, we're in this. Before before I get to the first question, I gotta ask, where does fearless mensch come from? Oh, nice, nice question. So this came directly from Joan Barber. Um, I was working on some branding information and reading out and asking people for adjectives that describe me. And she wrote back fearless mention, like check done. I love it. I love it. Thanks for doing my work for me. Yeah. Um, entertainment dreams. Let's take it back to the beginning of time for, for Doug Shapiro entertainment dreams growing up. What were your entertainment dreams? You know, it's interesting. I don't quite remember having, oh gosh, when I get older, I want to be doing this. Hmm. It was more of someone would ask me a question and I'd go, huh, yeah, that's right. That's what I want. Sure. Um, you know, like in terms of, uh, here's the biz- biggest example. Like I did drama all through, um, you know, I was in Kids for Kids on Long Island and I went to an amazing drama camp, uh, French Woods Festival, which, you know, even to this day, those are the people that step up for me, help me find apartments. They're still my mishpacha in every way. Mm. And, you know, in high school and everything. And then my dad, a lawyer, may he rest in peace, um, would, you know, had convinced me since I was an honor student in high school that I should go into medical law. And so I was filling out those applications for college to do pre-law and pre-med because that's, that's what I should do. And my oldest brother, my oldest stepbrother, Phil, God bless him, walks into the room when my dad wasn't there, sat down next to me and said, Doug, do you want to be an actor? No one had ever asked me that before. And I went, yes. And he said, then what are you filling these out for? Went on to major in musical theater at Syracuse University. Why do you ask? Why do you ask that? Because I've been acting the whole time and I, okay. and I obviously loved it. And it was what I talked about and I was good at it. And I went to a drama camp for seven years. So it was, you know, he was perceptive and said, hey, uh, like he was going through his head like, I don't think Doug wants to be a lawyer. Why is he doing this? So he asked me the question directly. I love that. I, you know, I was on an entertainment lawyer path myself before I realized, Uh, you know what? You can always change course. That whole plan B thing. Um, When uh, at a slower time in my career, uh, I went to the Actors Fund, which has been like a theme of them being amazing, which is why I raise money for them whenever I can. Um, And uh, they have that program of like, not just a survival job, but side career, something that will fill, fill you just as much. Yeah. So I went to grad school to learn to teach English as a second language. Mm. And my mom was really behind that. So supportive because that's a responsible decision. You got to have your plan B. And then I realized that it took up all my time, that one wonderful semester. And I loved doing it. But at the end, I'm like, I'm not done with plan A yet. Mm. There needs to be a time when I go, all right, you know what? I'm done with acting. And then I could jump into that plan and B, but 
yeah, that wasn't the case. I remember that too. In, in college, a lot of students would have like a second major or minor for their plan B. And I had a realization very quickly prior to college that just going to college is a plan B. If you have a bachelor's, <laughs> you have a bachelor's, you, you can go be a, a bank branch manager. You can go, you know, <laughs> exactly. you can do that. You don't need a go different degree. If you have a theater degree, real estate is packed with us. <laughs> I, but just having the degree is a backup plan. You don't need a separate. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. And the people that tell you to have the backup plan, you know, they say it because they care. Yeah. They're not evil. Yeah. They're not trying to crush your dreams. It's just your parents have spent 18 years trying to prevent you from dying because you're always running towards the outlet with the fork the minute their head is turned. Mm. They want you to be safe. It comes from a loving place. Oh, yeah. Most of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking I'm of sure which, parents, <laughs> we won't stay on parents too long. Yeah. I am curious. Uh, were there any um, lessons learned or standout pieces of moments regarding work ethic? Lessons learned from your parents. Yes. Um, my mother, very responsible with money. If she dared to spend something on the credit card, the cash was immediately put aside in an envelope and put away. And I learned, and I learned to love that as well. As far as if I want to calm down, I actually get all my receipts and I scan them and they're in date order in a document by month and my quicken is filled and I know where my money is. That's actually a, when that's done, I feel a bit safer. Even if the results aren't looking too good, it's like, all right, that's done. From my father, um, uh, he actually consciously said, always do your part and a little bit more. And I've really, really kept with that. Mm. If I am, you know, if I'm in a show, I'm also going down to the costume shop in my free time and seeing, do you need a button on? Yeah. It's, it's at my uncle's got a barn mentality mentality do you need me to sew in labels so that you could do the big things or i am you know or i'm finding out the non-union actors do you need a seminar on the business of acting let's get together for an hour the crew especially especially if they're young in college let's talk about your marketing how you're pursuing what you want oh i can't just come in and act mm. Mm. The money thing is very interesting i think that's something not talked isn't it though about. it's not talked about enough <laughs> No, I had a long conversation on this show with Tony Yazbek about his mm. rel his relationship with money, which mm -hmm. many people don't um, unpack. <laughs> right. And it's important, you know, to have, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, if we were, if we needed seashells, we would all want a bunch of seashells to make transactions, but it happens to exactly. be dollars and having a right. proper relationship with what that is, I think is, you know, really interesting and important. An actor who isn't making money volunteer you're running a business and we're supposed to make a profit at it yeah yeah exactly yeah what did uh, any standout lessons um or what your parents taught you about kindness by example really um my dad is a kind of guy that could be walking in the middle of the well was <laughs> <laughs> um, that he would be walk, walking in the middle of like a desert sandstorm and some shadowy figure would be coming the other way and then they'd be like, Stan, Bill, how you doing? And like, uh, <laughs> also the, uh, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm motivated by uh, feelings. Like that's what makes me shine. I'm a buddy type of personality. Mm -hmm. So I will return to a restaurant again and again if they like me. The food can be mediocre. But if the waiter knows my name, I'm there. 
I am yours. Um, Village Coffee Market in Stony Brook. I went there uh, visiting my mom one time and they have like these little coffee pods and I've got a Keurig. And they, um, when the pandemic hit, they reached out to me and said, we know your mother lives in Stony Brook and you live in the city. I am out making deliveries in my car. Do you want me to check on her? I get my coffee from no one else now. Oh my goodness. Other people would be like, oh, well, you know, it's actually cheaper at the supermarket. Thanks for checking on my mom. No, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. that kind of person. That, that's a person. It's like yeah. that kind of loyalty is very important to me. Yeah. And that uh, it comes a lot from my father. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. this one mechanic that we went to. He made us all go to. The mechanic was amazing with his car and just kept destroying our cars. But dad's like, no, you find someone and you stay with them. So, you know, for better or for worse in my life as well, <laughs> because I like someone. <laughs> You're committed. It's a long time to be pulled out of that. <laughs> Do you have any um, uh, mentors or have you had any mentors and standout pieces of advice or lessons? Absolutely. Uh, this is by example. I talk about him a lot. When I was working at the Shakespearean Theater of Maine, and I was a non-union intern, there's a man named Jerry Kissel, still acts in Boston. He's phenomenal. And he patterned the type of man, mentor, and human I'm always striving to be. He was the guy that would come around to all the non-union actors and say, okay, you know how to make facial hair pieces? Nope, no, we don't. And he would say, great. And he would grab the crepe hair and he would show us how to divide it into like brown and black and everything like that so that it looks real and how to like line it up with the spirit gum. I'm doing a lot of hand gestures right now, which are really helpful to your listeners. But yeah, show us how to do that. Yeah. Do you know how to do old age makeup? No, we don't. Great. He grabbed the oldest member of the company, Howard, sit him down, shine a light on his head so that we could see the theory behind it and then show us how to shadow. Oh um, also, while I was there, he went through a tough personal experience and we got to see how he did not bring it into rehearsal. He did not bring it into the dressing room. He would, you know, cope elsewhere and then filter it out on stage. And we would watch from the wings and be like, holy cow, this man is using his life experience and he is amazing. Mm. That guy. And plus his acting choices. I just, it's basically shopping. Mm. So like, you know, as a young actor, you like, you steal from there, 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 and there, and there. And then one day you're like, oh, I have a technique now. <laughs> Based on everything I stole from all these actors who are better than me, which is the only way you learn to act. Thank you, college. But you learn by acting with people better than you. It's so true. It's so true. You don't get better at playing tennis if you play with someone worse than you. <laughs> yep. You got to play with someone better. Um, oh, that's funny. I, You know, the energy thing is really important. I... Andrew Cato down at the Maltz Jupiter, he's got it on the stage door, you know, take responsibility for the energy you bring into the space, mm, which is like, absolutely. You might behave a little differently yep. if you think about it that way. And it's important. It's contagious. You know, this kindness, this generosity, you can, I can feel it. It really the laptop. is. <laughs> um, <laughs> how have you, how have you gotten exactly better? I'm the site you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just well, audio. You, no. thank, you. <laughs> thank you for saying kindness. Um, I actually like, uh, you know, again, with the exercise running your business, like what values are you leading with? Yeah. So oh, I ended in a preposition with what values are you leading? Um, <laughs> and at first it was, I thought it was influence and uh, I forgot what the one was, but then like I distilled this like, no, it's kindness and integrity. Oh, at first I thought love and influence. And I'm like, no, it's kindness and integrity. And if you know, if you're able to name your values, you're able to run your art and your business that way. Mm. 
like I, I look at that, I'm like, oh, Danny Burstein and uh, Rob McClure. Hmm. This is this is how they do that. They're able to name how they feel. They've got the name for how they feel, which is something I'm always striving for because I can only voice it three days later. Yeah. But you know, the way that they show up, everyone is kinder, everyone is better. And I've met both of them personally hmm. and and worked with both of them. And that is what they bring into the room. And you see it patterned and then you can do it. Mm. Along these lines, because um, it is a form of communicating, how have you gotten better at communicating? Actually, with the work that I do as a business role player, um, okay. I'm getting to, uh, th- there's a whole other field that I'm, it's not only amazing, it's how I earned insurance during a pandemic um, through equity. They have a whole That's contract that could talk about that for years. Um, no one ever talks about when your union does things for you. <laughs> Everyone wants to catch, but the thing true? that equity did is amazing and saved me. Yeah. Um, so as a business role player, um, there are corporate executives usually, and there's a trainer teaching them how to communicate, how to have a, uh, a fierce conversation, how to flex to different personality types. Mm. And then they get to try it out on me. Mm. So I get to practice this on a weekly basis. Getting to, you know, if someone is driven by power or if they're driven by feelings, me, if they're driven by facts or if they're driven by kind of winning a game, Mm. I get to be all those people and flex to that, you know, in service to the learner. But also I get to see a pattern myself. Mm. I get to see how to flex to a different personality type and help them to blossom. It's made me a little healthier in situations where someone's being confrontational that that's my bugaboo i like i follow no no please like me please like me but now as an adult i'm able to say okay well i hear that you've just said this um and if they're a you know how much by when person tell me what you need and let's get on that right away to find a solution for you right or if they're an analyst type of personality great let's dig down into the facts and find out what's irking you and we can talk about it for a while and just dig deep down Mm. Or if they're a game player, it's like, hey, if I buy you a drink and talk it out, will you? can you do this for me? And they'll feel like they won something. Yeah. It's so interesting because that's that's a level of listening that most people are yes. not operating at. You know, it's the, I'm, you know, listening, but I'm not hearing you. You know what I mean? It's that kind of, if you really listen to how people say like, oh, no, I don't, I don't see it that way. They're visual. Okay. So let's take a look from this angle. You know, you start to use those words and the communication flows so much more. It's, and then at the end of the conversation, I feel like I've known you my whole life because you're connecting on a different level, you know, and it reflects back. And something that I called myself on is while you were talking, there was a point I wanted to make about, Oh, first level listening, second level, third level, and knowing that I was thinking about that, and then I went, no, Doug, stop. Listen to Clayton, what he's saying. And did that, and I let you lead, rather than trying to think about the next thing that I wanted to say and contribute to the conversation. Yeah, that's like a higher level of communication right there. <laughs> yeah, was there and, any... and, as a, and it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a daily practice. It's not easy. Is, uh, uh, is there a certain book or, or literature that you've read regarding that, or is that just verbal taught lessons what you've been doing uh verbal learning from the trainers but also there are some great ones uh i love alan alda's if i understand if i understood you would i have this look on my face (laughs) i got to work with alan Alda as a business role player actually when he was running all the communications training yeah 
and he, what you see is what you get. He's an amazing human being and his podcast. Um, I listen to you all the time, um, clear and vivid. Okay. Where he talks about communication styles with scientists and with actors. He's out of this world. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff fascinates me. I mean, that could be our part two or three or four down the road. Is there a or seven? Absolutely. <laughs> is there a particular role that has taught you a lot about yourself? Hmm. You'll definitely take out the space. <laughs> oh, no, we love the space. <laughs> and you hear the wheels turning. <laughs> um, one, one interesting one is just sort of like the, all right, I'm getting older and now therefore here's what I need. Like, like oh, okay, that was a mistake and therefore I get to do this. Mm. I've got two for you. And one's an audition and one's a role. And these are not successes, but I learned. The first was the New England Theater Conference, NETCs. Uh, uh, I was in college, I was a freshman, and the way that I thought of myself was, oh, I have a low voice. Therefore, I'm going to sing Lonely Room. Now, you need to know your audience. Hmm. The New England Theater Conference is a bunch of summer stocks looking for non-union actors to do their happy, peppy, hooray summer musicals. Um, so therefore lonely room and plus it's on the third day yeah. that I did this. So here's this skinny little, didn't know he was that gay kid <laughs> singing the door creaks, the floor squeaks, the film mouse nibbling on a broom, no callbacks. <laughs> and because I didn't know my audience, I didn't understand the beast for which I was auditioning mm. and didn't understand what I sell. Mm. I am a, skinny, low-voiced song and dance man. Mm. What I did though, you know, I, I felt terrible. I stepped outside, the tears came, then I took a breath and said, okay, I guess I'm a stage manager this summer. And I walked back in to the, uh, to where the tables were for the, uh, for the tech interviews, which is why that I went, because at Syracuse, I also studied stage management and I, and I worked in the costume shop as well, mm. because they have diva prevention in the Syracuse theater program. So I went in and, you know, to the tables, I went to Star Players of Taunton in Taunton, Massachusetts and uh, sat at the table and uh, Joel was there and he, Joel, and he said, oh, I, I guess I didn't see your audition. I'm like, oh no, that's terrible. Why don't we, and I said, why don't we go into the hallway and I'll sing something for you. I took the initiative Smart. and I went out and I did. It was not Lonely Room. And then I sat down at the tech interview and I worked it turns out they need people that worked in the costume shop and performed in the chorus. And I worked at Star Players Taunton as cowboy slash Indian show person number two. <laughs> and costume. <laughs> and I looked in, I know we can't use the phrase anymore. I'm so sorry. That was the title of my role at the time. Yeah. Um, so that was one. Yeah. It was just the know your brand, but also any failure becomes an opportunity. A, a, yeah. a dear friend of mine, uh, Colin Hunter, who runs Potential Squared, the main business role-play company that I work on, has a book out now called Be More Wrong, and it's about failing your way to success. Mm. Fail fast, fail quickly, fail forward. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.